I'm going to tell you the word that ruined my entire life. Big. Jemima big. Jemima big, big, big. Jemima's as big as a whale, which is completely stupid. Even the smallest species of whale is 2.5 metres long and weighs 181 kilograms. But it's pointless telling anyone that. People at my school don't care about facts. They still say I look like one. They call me Jemima Big when my name is Jemima Small. It's typical of my life that I look the exact opposite of my own name. And you can't change your name when you're 12 because the government doesn't let you. Not without your parents' permission anyway. And considering I haven't seen my mum since I was six and my, my dad never lets me do anything good, it's not going to happen. Begging doesn't work with my dad, neither does emotional blackmail. He's unsympathetic to my problems, mainly because he doesn't believe I have any. Even though she left, I wish I had my mum's surname. Jemima Bouvier sounds a million times better than small. Acted is a surname should not be allowed. When I was younger, I thought being the biggest girl in my class was the same as being the tallest or having the longest hair or being double jointed like Izzy Newman, who could bend her thumbs all the way back so they touched her wrists. I thought my size was a simple fact of nature like the freckles on my forearms and Izzy Newman bending her figures into weird shapes at break time. Then there was this day at the beach when I figured out I was wrong, like majorly wrong. It happened during the summer holidays a few months before I turned eight. Nan was staying at ours and Dad suggested we all go to the beach. We'd gone to the beach almost every day of the holidays anyway. It's like 0.4 miles from our house, so close I can hear the sea from my bedroom, which might sound good, but it's the reason we never go on a proper holiday abroad. Dad thinks going rock pooling than putting, Dad thinks going rock pooling than putting two peas in a coin pusher game at the arcade counts as a summer holiday. It doesn't. It's technically staying closer to my house than going to school. The first bad thing to happen that day was when I came downstairs in my bikini. The straps were digging in, so I went to show Dad the red marks under my armpits. As I walked into the living room, Dad gave Nana this look I hadn't seen before. It was probably the exact same look the commander of the Apollo 13 space mission had on his face when he found out that his oxygen tank had exploded. Like, Nana, we have a problem. Dad took me to Dolphin Bay Beachwear, this swimsuit shop on the promenade. Dolphin Bay is the name of the beach. It's kind of false advertising because you never saw any dolphins there. My brother Jasper said he saw some through his binoculars once, but he could have been lying. It's the type of thing he does. Dad said dolphins sometimes come here to mate, so actually I'm glad I've never seen any. The lady in Dolphin Bay Beachwear had pencilled on eyebrows. I know because one of them was slightly smudged and she raised them as soon as we walked in. She looked down on my tummy and declared, you're very round, in a voice that made it sound like a compliment. But when I looked up at Dad, he was smiling at her apologetically, as though the shape of my tummy was something he should be sorry about. He was standing right next to me with his hands resting on my shoulder, but suddenly I felt like he was galaxies away. Puppy fat, he said eventually, and rubbed his beard like he always does when he doesn't know the answer to something. The lady said to me, never mind, dear, I have some swimsuits that would disguise it a little. My cheeks burned and I felt intensely stupid like that time in year four when Miss Reed discovered I could do long multiplications in my head. She made me stand at the front of the class and asked me to work out 391 times 39. 
but I got the answer wrong because this boy, Dylan Taylor, was making annoying faces at me and I forgot to add one of the carried over numbers. Miss Reed probably felt a bit stupid that day too. She got a new poster for our classroom that said, a diamond is a chunk of coal that do the well under pressure. And I informed her that diamonds aren't even formed from coal. She said, motivational posters don't always need a factual basis, Jemima, which probably tells you everything you need to know about Miss Reed. Luckily for her, a question about diamond formation didn't come up in our sets. But knowing how diamonds are formed and doing long multiplication in my head didn't help me at Dolphin Bay Beachwear. I folded my arms over my stomach and followed the raised eyebrows lady to a rail of swimsuits, wondering why no one had ever told me before that I was supposed to disguise my stomach. And feeling utterly blameless that I hadn't figured it out for myself, she held up a black swimsuit, but Dad pretended to faint when he saw the price tag and told me to choose something from the sale rack. Maybe because he didn't think I'd been humiliated enough already. When we finally got to the beach, I walked down to the plank with Jasper. It's just this wooden platform that juts out above the sea. No one knows who built it. It's been there for years, apparently. My dad remembers it from his childhood, so it could have been there for centuries. It was busy with tourists, so we had to queue up. The wooden steps were wet because of the sea spray, and I walked up slowly so I didn't slip. The proper word for sea spray is spindrift, but if you call it that, people look at you weird. Jasper ran all the way along the plank and dived in. He always dives in. He says it's seven metres high, but Jasper exaggerates everything, mostly his own intelligence. The sea below is about seven metres deep. The plank's only about four metres above sea level. It still feels like a big jump though. And I heard the crash of Jasper hitting the way and then walked carefully to the end of the platform and curled my tails over the edge. I watched Jasper's head emerge from the waves. He shook the water out of his hair ears and shouted, SHARK! I ignored him. He says that every time. The only sharks around here are basking sharks and they don't even attack humans, so he was being doubly stupid. I took a deep breath, pinched my nose and peered down at the water. Then I heard a voice behind me. A whale, more like. Someone sniggered and said, yeah, watch out for the tidal wave. I wanted to tell them that tidal waves are caused by gravity, not by someone jumping off the plank, so it was an idiotic thing to say. But they looked a few years older than me, and I was worried about my new swimsuit not disguising my stomach properly. Anyway, from the way they were both laughing, I could tell they didn't care about scientific facts. I tugged at the edges of my swimsuit, trying to cover an extra centimetre of flesh. Then I heard someone else. It was only just louder than a whisper. She's grotesque. But it wasn't someone young this time. It was a woman about my dad's age. Her hair was swept back and her swimsuit had shapes cut out of the sides, revealing a tummy that looked flat, not round like mine. She glanced at my stomach for a split second and looked at her husband and shook her head. My brain stopped thinking about gravity and whales and tidal waves then because I could feel their disapproval surrounding me, like water vapour condensing into tiny droplets and forming a fog. It clung to my skin and suddenly I understood the look that Dad had given Nana that morning and why I needed a swimsuit with brand new tummy-shaping silhouette-flattering technology. I jumped into the sea and swam back to the shore without stopping. Jasper called me a few times to come back, but I carried on, even though I was almost out of breath. When Nana asked me why I was crying, I told her some boys had called me a whale. 
She rubbed the towel over my hair and said, Oh, sweetheart, it's because whales are such strong swimmers. But I knew she was lying. She gave me a packet of soft mints and Dad sighed extra loudly and looked at her the same way he had that morning about my bikini. So I didn't say anything else. Maybe you think people can't weigh you with your eyes, but they can. Maybe you think people who love you don't lie, but they do. For the rest of the day, I sat on one of Nana's beach towels with a towel wrapped around me watching people walk past. I listened to their feet sinking into the pebbles and felt the tiny crystals of sea salt on my skin. And this is what I figured out. There were good shaped bodies and bad shaped bodies. And mine was one of the bad ones. It's called having a moment of realisation, like when Isaac Newton saw an apple fall from a tree and discovered gravity. Well, I discovered I sucked. And once you've figured out something like that, it stays lodged in the frontal lobe of your brain. And each time you look in the mirror or get changed for PE or stand up in class or feel your stomach roll over your school skirt or notice someone giving you a second look, you get reminded. The frontal lobe is kind of annoying like that. I didn't move from the beach that whole day. I didn't go swimming or push Nana along the promenade in her chair or go to the arcade or get an ice cream. I just sat there trying to figure out a way I could hide my body from everyone, including myself. But it was impossible. How can you hide from your own body, especially when you're wearing a neon yellow swimsuit with a picture of a flamingo on it? Almost every night after that, before I went to sleep, sleep, I wished on the stars to have a body like the other girls in my class, to be the right shape like them. I wished my mum to come back too, because when your dad thinks your body is the equivalent of an outer space emergency and complete strangers find you grotesque, you kind of need her. According to my auntie Luna, when you wish on the stars, it gets beamed out into the universe. She says if you keep wishing, eventually the universe will listen, it will come true. But when it's the first full moon of the year, Auntie Luna strips totally naked and bathes in the moonlight to capture its cosmic energy. So she's not exactly a reliable source of information. Anyway, no matter how much wishing I did, my body stayed the same shape and my mum didn't reappear either. She was probably like the stars, too far away to hear my wishes. I tried not to think about her, but I could feel this empty space growing in my heart where she was supposed to be. The human heart is only nine centimetres wide, but the empty space inside mine felt bigger than the universe sometimes. I still wasn't immune to the name calling, even after my first year at Clifton Academy. I had been called Jemima Big so many times, my heart should have developed antibodies or something, like blood cells did after the flu jab. But it didn't, which is probably why hearing the stuff whispered about me during the end of year awards assembly kind of hurt. Jemima Big knows so much about space because she takes up so much of it. Jemima Big should do some exercise instead of reading so many books. Jemima Big can solve mass problems, but not her weight problems. Being clever when you look like me isn't a formula for success. My achievements just meant everyone gawped at me like they'd never seen anyone my size holding a certificate before. And instead of feeling proud, I felt disapproval clinging to my skin each time I went up. So when Ada McAvoy in year nine tripped over her chair walking up to the front, I did feel bad for her. But more, mostly, I felt grateful. No one else was looking at me anymore. 
and she knocked into this really annoying boy in my class called Caleb Humphreys, which was an added bonus. I thought year eight would be better. I knew I'd still be called Jemima Big, but I thought I'd get used to it. Like Dylan Taylor's voice shouting, Sumo, at break times, eventually fading into the background. And I had things to look forward to. Like turning 13 in October, which meant I'd be a teenager and Dad would finally have to raise my pocket money. It would still be way below the minimum wage, but unfortunately my dad thinks household chores don't count as exploitation. I was sort of dreading the first day back. I knew some people would look over to see me to see if I'd had some kind of dramatic transformation over the summer. Well, I hadn't. I was still Jemima Big, and stupidly I thought that that would be the worst thing. But it's like when you look up at the night sky, what you see is in the whole picture, and it wasn't long before I started wishing that the entire universe had an escape hatch. Chapter 2 Zero Rally It was the first day of year 8 when it happened. Dad woke me up by shouting my name up the stairs over and over again and making threats like, Jemima! Get out of bed now, or I'm taking you to school in your pyjamas. Like I needed another reason for people at school to say stuff about me. I put my uniform on and looked in the mirror on my bedroom wall. Even wearing my long black pleated skirt, my calves looked too convex, and my stomach bulged out even though I spent ages trying to tuck in my shirt to hide it. Nana had told me I'd lose the puppy fat around my face ages ago, but it was still there, creating a semicircle dimple under my chin like a second smile. Maybe it would vanish this year, or maybe Nana had just lied. My hair was also a major problem. It was the exact colour of the sludgy sand under the pier. I peered, pulled my phone out of its charger and googled hair dyes. Every colour was named after something amazing sounding. Honey fire, champagne silk, natural gold. They didn't sell hair dye in my shade, probably because sludgy sand isn't exactly inspirational. I had award certificates and accommodations from Clifton Academy up on my pinboard. Each one said, aspire to achieve, and there was a little gold medal at the top. But brains aren't aspirational either. Brains had precisely zero value at my school. Besides, they're not even visible from the outside. Dad yelled, hurry up, even though there were still ages before the bus. I practised facial expressions in the mirror for a while and then took a step back and examined my face again. It definitely looked asymmetrical. I googled asymmetrical face. The top result said, do you need facial surgery? I sighed and started putting my books in my rucksack. My dad would never pay for facial surgery. He told me off in the supermarket last week because I put tea tree cleaning mask in the trolley. It's like he actually wanted me to get spots. Then there's this other operation called liposuction, where they suck all the fat out of your body. It's good, but you can end up with lots of extra skin, like my nana. She has loose skin that hangs around her neck and the tops of her arms. It feels really soft squishing into you when she gives you a hug. I don't know for sure where all her extra skin came from. I don't think she had liposuction. Maybe it was just natural shrinkage. Dad! I need some money, please, I said as soon as I got downstairs. Dad handed me a box of cereal but said nothing, so I carried on. For hair dye, it's a human rights issue. I read about human rights ago 
I read all about human rights ages ago after Dad made me do the washing up three nights in a row just for informing Jasper that the naming of the magic show that he did spectacular was a breach of the Trade Descriptions Act. No one else in my family has my sense of humour or cares about human rights. I think £10 should cover it, I said, pouring Rice Krispies into a bowl. I don't want a cheap one because my hair might fall out. Dad didn't even look up from his art and design magazine. Or I might get an anaphylactic shock. Dad started humming. That's when your face and throat swell up and you can die, by the way, I added. Dad casually turned the page in his magazine. I could have an anaphylactic shock for real and he probably wouldn't notice. Dad! The hair dye. I want to get it this week. I accept, I'll accept an advance of my pocket money. Dad sighed extra loudly. Sighing extra loudly is my dad's thing. That and doing the look. If he does them both at the same time, then you know it's serious. Last year, this girl, my, this girl in my year, Pippa Williams, was picking on teams for rounders. She looked directly at me and said she didn't want a hippo on her team. I told her that hippos can actually run faster than humans and that I didn't want to be on the team with someone whose brain resembled a fruit fly. We both got into trouble, Mrs Newton, for that. She told us to apologise to each other. I said it wasn't my fault that Pippa Williams was excrementatious. Miss Newton looked up the word on the phone and then said she'd be ringing my dad about his, my attitude, like he didn't know about it already. I got the look and the extra loud sign pretty badly when I got home that day. Jemima, hair dye is not a human right, Dad said. It is for people with hair the colour of mine, I smiled. My best smile, the one I'd be practising in the mirror. He looked up for a fraction of a second. Clearly, I needed some more smiling practice. There's nothing wrong with your hair, he said, so I sighed extra loudly. Dad gave me the look. Dad, I inherited this hair colour from you, so I think it's only right you pay for me to change it into some super luminous honey blonde. Dad gave me the look again. You're too young to dye your hair. I'm almost 13, and anyway, there isn't an age limit on hair dye. If you started dyeing my hair years ago, then maybe it wouldn't have got this bad. Dad closed his magazine and took a deep breath. I thought he might be finally listening to reason. He wasn't. Well... I think it's a nice colour. Same as mine, right? Honestly, Dad, I think yours would look a lot better if it was a light mahogany brown. Dad laughed and shook his head. Anyway, it will probably start turning grey soon, as you, grey soon, so you should let me stock up for you. Jemima, I don't need to dye my hair, thank you very much, and neither do you. It looks nice and natural. I sighed and pushed my rice crispies down into my milk with my spoon. You don't get it, Dad. You have to dye your hair to make it look natural. You're not allowed to dye your hair. School rules. The annoying intervention called my brother Jasper thinks he can boss me about even though he's only 19 months on older. Hurry up, Jemima. I don't want to be late on the first day back. Jasper looked at his reflection in the mirror in the living room and straightened his tie. He had the beginnings of moustache forming like, like deliberately. School is a lot more serious for me this year. I'm officially in the upper school and I'm starting my GCSEs, you know. He licked his two forefingers, smoothed them over his eyebrows and looked at me through the bead curtain. It's not playtime anymore. Did you hear that, Jemima? Dad said. I hope you take a look at Leaf out of Jasper's book. 
No thanks, I muttered. I'd probably catch something. I don't want any phone calls about your attitude this year, Jemima, Dad said. Well, that's easy. Just switch your phone off, I beamed a full smile at Dad. He gave me a super strength version super strength version of the look. You know what I mean, he said, and collected his paintbrushes from the paint pot on the trainer. My dad's an artist, but not the kind that earns lots of money. He paints shop signs and fancy window frames and stuff like that. The best thing he'd done was years ago when the council commissioned him to paint the map of Clifton-on-Sea on this huge wooden board on a promenade to celebrate the pier turning 100 years old. Dad painted dolphins in the sea, a basking shark, and people eating candy floss along the promenade. If you look really closely, you can see me and Jasper playing in the rock pools with Mum holding our hands and Dad sitting on the rock nearby. We're tiny, just coloured dots really, so you wouldn't really know it was us unless my Dad told you. I always look at it when we go to the beach, but Dad doesn't. He doesn't like talking about Mum, or even looking at her painted as a tiny pink and turquoise dot. I promised Dad I'd make some mature decisions this year, then headed upstairs to brush my teeth. The Peshtois, Jemima, Jasper shouted after me. He always tells me to hurry up in French. It's one of the ways he shows off. Our mum's half French, so we both spoke it when we were little, apparently, although I can't remember that much. Jasper's won the French prize every year at Clifton Academy. He's sort of cheating because he's a quarter French, so he has an unfair advantage. Also, he overpronounces the French accent, and it's really annoying. Jasper shouted, Depeche toi! again, so I shouted a French swear word back at him. Not a bad one, but Dad's voice immediately came booming up the stairs. Jemima, do not use that language. I leaned over the banister and said, You mean French? The blood vessels in Dad's eyeballs looked like they were about to burst. You know exactly what I meant. Do not swear to your brother in any language. You shouldn't even know those words. Tell that to Monsieur Poisson, I said. People write them in his textbooks. Then I got doubly told off for calling Mr Picard that. Like, it's my fault his classroom smells like fish. We arrived at the bus stop just as the bus was pulling in. I hated getting on the bus because people always stared. I held my rucksack in front of my stomach and let Jasper get on first. I sat down on the first empty seat I could find. I hated walking down the bus aisle. There were always a few people who kind of gawped at me. If there wasn't an empty seat, I spent the entire journey with my legs squeezed together, trying to shrink myself into the side of the bus or half hanging off the seat, worried that the person next to me might say I was taking up too much space. I'd always try to be the first on the bus on the way home, but we're the third stop in the morning so people have already got the best seats. I pulled my phone out of my pocket and messaged my friend Mikey to say I'd meet him by the front gates. Mikey started at Clifton Academy halfway through year seven because his parents got divorced, so he moved here with his mum. It was about the same time my best friend Alina decided to drop me for Lottie Freeman. We've been friends since primary school, but I guess there's only so long you can hang around with Jemima Big before you realise your life would be a lot easier if you didn't. Mikey didn't know anyone at Clifton Academy, and the only spare seat in our form class was the one next to mine. So I suppose we became friends by accident. But it was a serendipitous kind of accident, because Mikey was the best person I know. 
even though he hates maths. My phone beeped with Mikey's reply. Okay. If I'd known what was going to happen at school that morning, I'd slammed my hand on the stop button above my head. But it would be pointless. Our bus driver ignores it when people do that. It's like my Auntie Luna says, you cannot escape your destiny. Jasper said she stole it from Star Wars. I think Star Wars stole it from an ancient Greek writer called Sophocles. Anyway, it's true. And unfortunately, that day, my destiny was the equivalent of a giant sinkhole.